welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 176. Thank you for joining us. Today, Bonnie and I are happy to welcome Art and Lorraine Bennett to the Colby Cast to discuss the temperaments. Art and Lorraine help us to understand the temperaments and to see how knowledge of them can be helpful in understanding ourselves. But perhaps even more importantly, this knowledge can be helpful in understanding how our children act and react and how they approach learning. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, Colby homeschooling mom of four lads and lasses, liturgical musician, popcorn, and podcast fanatic. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Good morning, Stephen. It's a big day. We get to have a fun conversation today. I've been looking forward to it. How are you today? Doing well. I've been looking forward to this as well. Some some uh, topics that 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 very much appeal to me. So yes, likewise, same same for me. Uh, we have the very great privilege and pleasure of speaking with Art and Lorraine Bennett today, authors of several books, speakers whom many of our listeners may have heard in various contexts. So we get to talk to them today. Art and Lorraine Bennett, welcome to the Colby Cast. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. It's an honor to be having... here. It's great yeah. to be here. Thank you. Yeah. And we did, we did use Colby Academy at one point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we want to hear more about that. Um, so would you tell us about yourself for, for listeners who are not yet familiar with you, would you tell us about yourselves and, and your backgrounds and tell us more about that, that homeschooling experience you have, your time with Colby your, and things that, that stick out in your mind from your homeschooling days? Sure. You start. Art. Oh, okay. Thanks, Lauren. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm licensed as a marriage family therapist. I have been for over 35 years uh, working uh, with uh, different groups and clients, but I also have some uh, experience in management. I was the president of Catholic Charities for our Diocese of Arlington for 10 years, and I started a clinic, co-founded a clinic called the Alpha Mega Clinic, which integrated the Catholic faith with uh, with the psychology. And that was really exciting and and that. So uh, yeah, we're the, we're the parents of four kids, uh, and all of our kids we're married and have kids. So we have four kids yeah. and eight soon to be 10 grandkids. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, our youngest, the youngest is now homeschooling. She just started homeschooling. <laughs> so yeah, they're doing a, a, a co-op kind of thing. And she has to be the teacher once a week. <laughs> and she's like, oh, no, <laughs> but she's going to be amazing. She'll be amazing. Yeah. yeah. So um Alpha Omega Mental Health Clinics, you mentioned that, right? And um, so, and I'm the writer, so um, we have collaborated on, uh, well, three books on temperament, um, The Temperament God Gave You, Temperament God Gave Your Spouse, Temperament God Gave Your Kids, and then we also did a book, uh, The Emotions God Gave You, um, and then we also did another book that pretty much nobody knows about it called Tuned In. <laughs> the power of <laughs> listening and pressing pause and it's a really good book but it just kind of like like never got uh promoted too much <laughs> anyway um and then i just wrote a book called uh the little way of living with less learning to let go with the little flower and that's another sophia institute book and um and then i also created a game, the temperament, it, it's know thyself, the game of temperaments. Wonderful. So I have right here, my collection, the trio of temperament books, mm -hmm. they've lived on my bookshelf for many years. It's kind of funny. I consider we'll get into the temperaments. That's our topic today. 
I might be jumping the gun here, but I have, from the time I read the first book, The Temperament God Gave You, I deduced that I am phlegmatic with melancholic secondarily and maybe a little bit of sanguine. And so from that point out, we've had several conversations about personality and temperament and charisms and gifts and things like that. And I just keep coming back to, well, I'm a phlegmatic and that's the, that's just that. And like, I haven't really gone much further with, <laughs> with the, the no, explanation no gifts, of other no. things. Like that's, that's just that. So anyhow, so we'll, we'll get more into that, but um, I have some catching up to do on, on your offerings and I'm excited about that. I am a pianist by training. I was a piano major in college and so I have in sort of unofficial, unscientific, of course, personality classification by instrument, what a person's primary instrument. You tell me what instrument you play, and I can tell you a lot about your personality. That's just kind of my thing I've had from my time interacting with lots of different types of musicians. But let's go in a more scientific direction and more um, time-tested, uh, verified in lots of very different, uh, more credible ways. Let's head toward the four classical temperaments and how you came to know them so well. Okay. We were um, we were reading a book uh, by a uh, Dominican, Jordan Alman, Alman a yeah. well-respected uh, Dominican, and he mentioned the temperaments. And I remember saying to Lorraine, well, you know, I studied that in graduate school. I mean, Brief kind of, that's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I had no idea it was such a big deal in the history of the church. Mm -hmm. So we started researching it more and discovered there really haven't been a Catholic book written on it since the 1930s. Yeah. But there had been some articles and stuff. And then I was doing uh, counseling, mostly marriage counseling, but also sometimes family counseling. And I go, God, this is really helpful. So we kept researching it more and more. I started using it with couples counseling, family counseling. And then we also had opportunities to give talks. And then Lorraine goes, well, I think you know, we have a lot of experience here talking about this, looking at it. So why don't we start writing about it ourselves? And then that's how the books took off. So that's right. kind of well, how it happened. Right. You know, I think right. there really wasn't a book. It, yeah. It was the chapter in um, Jordan Amman's spiritual theology. That yeah, book. Yeah. And, and again, the 1930s thing was like a tiny itty bitty pamphlet who kind of, he would share with you. He, he kind of like tailed off at the end. He did the phlegmatic and he wrote like two pages. You know, <laughs> he's like, well, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. We're like, wait, he's missing yeah. this great temperament because you have like one of the the, the best temperaments, you know? And so we, we were like, we've got to fill this out, you know, flush this out and, and, you know, have it available for modern contemporary society. Yeah. Well, we're sure glad you did. It's been yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Well, and plus there's this long history, the Catholic, the tradition. I mean, saints have written about it, um, you know, and uh, as we mentioned, spiritual, you know, authors have written about, have written about it. And um, notably one Pope, Pope John Paul I, who wrote a chapter in one of his books, um, in his book, Illustrissimi, he wrote a whole um, chapter or actually a letter. He wrote a letter to Hippocrates mm -hmm. in which he describes the four temperaments, the four classic temperaments that we're talking about, choleric or choleric, sanguine, phlegmatic, and melancholic. So yeah, that's the old terminology which we are using, we're taking up today, not because contemporary psychologists don't use those terms, but um, you know, maybe on occasion they do, but Right. Overall, they don't. They just refer to the actual characteristics, in which we have lumped under the four as kind of per the 
traditional Catholic way of doing things, just to preserve that tradition and carrying it forward. Sure. Well, well, that suits us quite well, being a a classical Catholic homeschool. (laughs) Yeah. So let's take a quick second to define a little more uh, concretely what we mean by temperament in this context, as opposed to like temperamental or some, because the word temperament or temperamental has very different, several different meanings. So let's take a second to define exactly what we mean about that. And will you then go on to to tell us a bit about, a bit more about the, the history of the temperaments and kind of an overview of them? Okay. Well, temperament is not the whole of our personality. We always have to make sure we say that we're not putting anybody in a box. You're never determined by your temperament. You're not determined to react in a certain way, but it is just the way we tend to react um, from birth. And the thing that's kind of wonderful about it is we say it's God's, it's a gift from God because it's like God's way of kickstarting your personality because everybody who's had a child, had a baby, they've, they know that they don't come, they're not blank sheets of wax, you know, (laughs) with nothing. They have little budding personalities and that little budding personality is really temperament based because it's the way we tend to react, not the way we have to react. Um, What else? No. So, right. So I think that's really critical is not putting anyone in a box. But, you know, it's particularly in a learning environment like homeschooling, where you're always trying to expand the horizon and, and, and the depth of, of the of the kids. Um, you, you, the kids will be tending to have a reaction in a certain way. And you're trying to teach them not just to react, but to really respond prudently. And this is where the virtues come in. So, right. you know, so they start off in second grade. They don't know any times tables, I think. And then by five, seven months later, they're going to know them all. So how does that happen? How does that growth happen? And then, and some temperaments will be more inclined to learn new things. And some temperaments will be a little bit wary of that. And, mm-hmm. and, and that so that knowing the temperament, uh, knowing your temperament, uh, as well as knowing the temperament of the kids, will give you a good idea of what the major strengths are mm-hmm. and also some challenges. And these are not moral weaknesses, by the way. It's nothing right. with morality. It's just some things are going to come easier and harder. And it's really great to know that when you're teaching, yeah. particularly with the intensity you can have in homeschooling, we can really, really have it uh, the way it's supposed to be. Indi- really, individualized yeah. formation is right. not just a cliche in homeschooling. It's, really, yeah. it's a real deal that the church talks about. So knowing your temperament will tell you what doors are easy to open and which ones will be more of a challenge and not taking that so personally, just trying to be a little more strategic about it. So I think it's a great, great tool in education. Actually, I think it's a great tool anytime the agenda is to grow. Right. Mm-hmm. Which whenever, whenever we should always a, be doing. <laughs> right. I yeah. Mean, uh, so, yeah. Uh, so it's a great tool for growth. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but also, so the personality itself, one's personality is broader. So yeah. that's, that's another point that we like to make is your personality will include your education, your, um, you know, the family of origin, you know, like, are you, are you an only child? Or are you from a family of 10? You know, that this is going to impact your total personality. Um, what kind of education did you have? Right. What is your culture? You know, what is your cu- cultural background? Um, so these things will all impact our total personalities. And then of course, the growth that we have, personally committed to like trying to grow in virtue um but anyway so temperament is just one aspect in its nature as opposed to nurture you know so um so that part that is in us naturally 
which, so it's kind of like you want to work with your temperament. It's like, you know, if you had a left-handed child, you're not going to force them. Maybe back in the day, they did do that. Force left-handers to write with their right hand, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just going to be hard. It's going to be harder to do that. So it's good to know the temperament and work with it and appreciate the strengths that come with that temperament, but then helping them to grow in virtues in the areas where they might find it a little bit more difficult, which when you're homeschooling, you will always encounter those areas because <laughs> it's right in your face, <laughs> you know, as you're trying. Yeah. That's one of the things I have long appreciated about the temperaments and your presentation of them is that here, these are your tendencies. This is sort of how God created it. It doesn't mean like that's just how it is and you're stuck there or you have no responsibility to grow or to kind of overcome your weaknesses. It's, it's not that, well, that's just how I am. Just, just deal with it yeah. kind of thing, you know? Yeah. yeah that's really so good. true. So yeah. That's a really good point. Bob. Yeah. That's true. So, so important. Yeah. So you've named the four temperaments, choleric, phlegmatic, melancholic, and sanguine. And these are from antiquity, right? Could you say a bit about that and kind of bring us forward in time a bit? Yeah, well, I think it's all started with the Greeks, <laughs> you know, blame it on the Greeks, <laughs> Hippocrates, and he's trying to account for differences in, in personality, basically, is what he was trying to do. Like, you know, uh, you always say, here we are on this little Greek island. <laughs> it's like, how is it we're all different, you know? Um, yeah, you got the same government, you got the same rules. Yeah. Um, this is a slave here. This is a free person here. <laughs> Everything is controlled. Yeah. So the Greeks were puzzled why some people, why people turn out differently. Yeah. They couldn't figure it out. So his hypothesis was it was something kind of biological, innate in the person, not in the environment. Right. So that really started the, the, the kind of thinking, which is, by the way, which it goes, on, to, it goes on today every day. They, yeah. they, a lot of psychologists, a lot of sociologists are materialists in the environments, everything. And then you, the Catholic Church is never going to ascribe just to that. It's a determinist view. And so I think that's part of why the, the church is kind of inclined to like to work with the temperaments because it talks about an internally motivated part of, of our learning style, something yeah, from cool. within. Right. And the fact that there's a corporeal aspect that started with Hippocrates, that's why you have yeah. the awkward names. He, these were different blood types. And, yeah. Or like, yeah, the choleric had too much bile, you know, and the melancholic had, I don't know, and the phlegmatic was too much phlegm or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. But yeah. But it's not. It's not crazy though, because no. in fact, today there's still, if you if you look at it, like they it was really quite brilliant because what when they study temperament today, they they bring in hormones, you know, they talk about oh, dopamine and and you know, oh, this person has an abundance of dopamine receptors or whatever it is, you know, like it, which is essentially the same kind of thing. It's physiologically based, yeah, you know. So the neuroscience, so yeah, this yeah. church is never gonna be. Totally deterministic. No, never, because we're free. But also the, the church honors the body. The body yeah. is a factor. Mm-hmm. So our, our corporeal response. So I think the temperaments are at least the prospect of a good integration of the corporeal aspect and uh, and, and 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 the freedom aspect of spirit. Let's say or grace. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're never we're never determined. We're never required. We may be kind of hardwired. We say hardwired, but it's you know it's just your tendency, like a knee jerk reaction. So each of the four will have a tendency to react in certain ways, but not, you're not required. To yeah, I'm a, so I'm a yes. double introverted, I'm a phlegmatic mm-hmm. melancholic. So I get myself in a new situation, a social situation. My tendency will be, 
this is awkward. How do I get myself here? Why am I here? I don't like this, you know, that, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, but then, you know, over time you mature and go, well, actually, I have everybody, every friend I've ever met, I met in a social situation <laughs> and look at all the great things that have happened to me. So over time you override that tendency and you actually can even start to look forward to the party or the event or whatever. Maybe not with the enthusiasm of Lorraine. Lorraine just loves parties all the time. So, uh, but I had to kind of acquire, yeah. you know, uh, a, a comfort for that. Mm -hmm. My initial reaction was, I don't like it. I don't want it. That was when I was yeah. in early 20s. But, you know, then you, you go through that. And so you overcome your tendency, the domination. Or, yeah, so you, you don't necessarily change your temperament. See, that's the thing. You don't change it, but you grow in other ways. You grow in virtue. So, like, with the saints, the only way you can really know what their temperament is, is to go read what they what they were like as in, in their childhood. You know, so because like or when they're a young, young person, St. Ignatius is a great example. You know, he was getting in fights. I think he was thrown in jail once. Yeah. Um, so, you Problem know, he was, Problemaker. He, he was like very choleric. And then they said at the end of his life, he was so meek. You know, he was the humblest and meekest of person that did not come naturally to him that. Yeah, he overcame. He, he grew in heroic virtue, you know, so he's a saint because he practiced heroic virtue. Um, and who's the, Father Scalia is always telling us about this example is one saint. Francis de, uh, saint Francis de Sales. Was I it St. Francis de Sales? St. Francis de Sales, yeah. Yeah, where he, he was like gripping the bottom. You, you could look at underneath his, after he passed away, they looked underneath his desk and there was like hand marks where he had gripped underneath his desk to keep himself from exploding at the person <laughs> that he was talking to. And he appeared wonderful, you know, and kind and gentle. Mm -hmm. Is that how the story goes? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, anyway. I didn't know that story. I love that. Yeah. I've always liked the temperament a little bit. I mean, more, I think, than some of the, you know, I, I like the temperaments because as you were saying it to me it, as when I was working kind of as a manager of people I always wanted to try to get ideas of what God was calling the people to do so I could try to put them move them toward the right direction you know so the temperaments was something that yeah. I considered but I, I liked it that it was more positive it seemed to me it, it was just it was something like this is the way you are but some of the other theories that I had kind of read about by like young and such, it seemed like it was coming from more of a, a place of studying like what happens when you, when things are bad, you know, and then you come up with some of the theories from that, but this one always, yeah, I would, I'd read Galen and some of the Greeks when I was in college and thought, Oh, bile. And what, and then so all of those things kind of came about, but I like that about this. It is, it seems. Yeah. Positive from the, from the beginning. I think that's really true. Uh, yeah. I used to do a lot of work playing in a business environment. Yeah. You did too, Stephen, with Myers Briggs and things like that. And mm -hmm. that's a they're putting you in a box. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's a, it's a well researched box. It's not capricious, <laughs> but it's a box. So if you're yeah. an INFP, you are an INFP, and that yeah. you're going to have these assets and these deficits. You got to kind of live with it. Whereas the temperament uh, has a tendency towards something, but not a determination, and so it's not it doesn't put you in the same kind of a box. And I think you're right about that. It's because mm -hmm. it's, it's more aligned with a growth model. Right. And that growth is not just adjusting to my personality or temperament. It's a growth model of, of acquiring new, new virtues and, and being able to do new and different things, not just adjusting to the hand I've been dealt. And that's a big difference. And I think that is one of the key aspects of temperament that, mm -hmm. uh, that, we, that we like about it as well. 
but uh, so yeah. yeah yeah however when you are dealing with young people like you know very young people you're going to have to maybe be a little bit more um cognizant of their temperament because they haven't yet had the number of years to 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 grow in virtues in the way mm-hmm. and that's what of course all the parents uh, the colby parents are trying to do is help their children grow but they found they've done um tests like psychologists actually have tested on temperament and they don't again they don't call it by the the four classic names like we do but they will talk about the characteristics so for example you have someone who is very introverted or um very you know reactive very slow to warm up mm-hmm. um or you know and they've they've done uh some research showing that when you if you just completely go against their temperament you're going to have a greater struggle to accomplish the ultimate goal like you're not going to take your very introverted melancholic child and when they're like three years old and throw them in daycare you know or into a so you know a really crazy hectic social situation that's just gonna cause them to uh, shut down and really freeze completely or flee, <laughs> you know, that'll, that'll in, introduce threat mode <laughs> immediately. Um, so that's not going to be the way you would encourage your very introverted melancholic to become more sociable, for example. Right. Um, you want to kind of introduce it slowly, you know, that, that would be kind of the thing. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there to, you know, because parents will, you know, sometimes parents will be tempted, especially if they have a bunch of kids that they're working with, they're going to say, well, this is the way we're doing it. We're all, you know, we're all sitting down. Here's your workbook. You know, you do everybody do it, you know, (laughs) just do it. And that's going to work for one of the temperaments (laughs) or two, but it may not work for all your temperaments. One size fits all. That was such a, a, a colossal Colossal is that the right word? It was a, a big revelation to me. Okay. I have one. I'm I'm very uh, I'm melancholic choleric, okay. and I had most of my first children were like melancholic, phlegmatic sort of children, and then I got a sanguine. Oh. And for, for the longest time, I just couldn't think. I couldn't figure out what she was doing. It was like, what, yeah. where is she coming from? Yeah. But then hearing, hearing about, you know, being able to see some of now, then it's like, Oh, what a breath of fresh air she is now. But for, yeah. for, a while, for a while, I was not knowing about the, the different things and, and just seeing a child act in a way that was so foreign to me and so foreign to the way some of my other children had acted. Mm-hmm. It was difficult, but th- right. these, these, the temperaments helped me to, of see things from a different a different way that I was used to. That's what we we like story, to say in the, in the in the book. Yeah, it's like at first a parent might say, "Oh, what's did I do something wrong? Like, what did I do? Where's this child coming from? You know, did yeah. I do something wrong, or is are they are they bad? You know, <laughs> is there something wrong with the child? And sometimes it isn't. It's just a matter of temperament." So yeah, it's a great, great story. <laughs> it makes sense of so much, really. It yeah. really, that has been, it's been a huge help to me. That's the goal is to have yeah. your kids grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go as a teacher, you go as a parent and you're you try to create an environment where everyone grows. Mm-hmm. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. So our, our view is generally to be very positive about the, the temperament 
So you want to build on people's strengths and then you can always exactly. try to figure out now, what do you do about the, the rough spots and the weaknesses and mm -hmm. how do you how do you get that so sometimes one of the temptations is to go after the strengths and reduce them we're not a, we're not too fond of that yeah. model mm -hmm. so it's build on the strengths and then find ways of reframing and helping the other tendencies to grow like whether the introvert teaching them skills so they can yeah. be more comfortable in social settings or teaching a sanguine to the skill of being quiet <laughs> yeah once in a while at least or uh skill you can be yeah. quiet and, and and so that's really the, i think the big challenge of uh, uh maybe the challenge of life of marriage family how do we create a growth environment and so the temperaments are helpful one of the things lorraine often talks about though is she, sometimes she attributes it to original sin is that when someone has a different take than i do or a different way of seeing the world there is a there is a temptation a need, a need your temptation to see something wrong with them yeah judge the person harshly i mean, I mean yeah this may mm -hmm. be everybody's struggle actually so mm -hmm. one of the great assets we think of temperaments and i use this a lot in, in counseling and but also just in life is it creates a pause so you don't automatically go into that negative sphere mm -hmm. that different different reaction like Stephen was describing this all of a sudden i got a sanguine who sees the world quite differently yeah so the temperaments will help you go, okay, rather than judge harshly mm -hmm. or something wrong with this kid, yeah. say, oh, okay. <clears throat> and that pause is, I think, critical to create a more of a growth environment and also to keep us out, keep us up from just subjecting ourselves to our own temperament, but to, to be in growth mode. So that's one of the great assets of it, I think, is that that puts that pause so you can respond prudently and not mm -hmm. just react impulsively. And that's, yeah. every right. teacher faces that and every kid faces it all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. We should probably describe briefly the four temperaments, right? Yes, <laughs> we please are yes. We keep talking about it. Anyway, the in case the listeners aren't familiar with the kind of the some of the characteristics. But so the choleric or choleric, some people say, is that very um quick, intense, and long-lived reactions. And they tend to be very determined, energetic, forceful, confident. Um, you know, they, they, they're very, uh, you're natural. We call natural leader. Not that, not that they have their, their, they're not the only ones who can be leaders. Obviously we think each temperament can be a leader. They're just going to be a leader with a different style. So, you know, the choleric is just your natural take charge leader. You know, mm -hmm. we're, they're ready to go. They want to be in charge of everything. <laughs> the boss of all, all the people and uh, including the parents. <laughs> and, um, and then there's the, the phlegmatic will is your, um, they're, they're not going to naturally step up to be a leader. They're not going to volunteer maybe, but if you encourage them, they would be a great leader. We, we would say like the servant leader, you know, they're, they're very, the humble, you know, eager, eager to pitch in team player kind of leader. Um, and the sanguine is your, the people person, they could be your charismatic leader and the melancholic is the noble leader. So we think all temperaments can be leaders and should be encouraged to be leaders. Um, but at any rate, back to, so the choleric is your quick, intense, long, long lived reactions. Always right. We, we joke about, um, so our youngest, who's the, um, now homeschooling, um, she, um, she was helping us with with this book, actually, like she was she was kind of re I, I had her read through um, list of strengths and weaknesses um, of each of the temperaments. And um, and she's like reading through the the 
the list of which she goes, there's one thing I don't understand, mom. She goes, why is always right listed under weakness? <laughs> because of course, to her, always right. <laughs> she was always right, you know, and it was a strength. Thank goodness I'm always right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, thank goodness. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, they need to learn a little, uh, they need to grow in, vir- in the virtue of docility and obedience and um empathy that's something doesn't come naturally to them but they do have this incredible magnanimity and they have that leadership ability and they have great zeal um and perseverance too as well so do you want to do the phlegmatic sure don't worry (laughs) we'll go back we always always spend more time with the clarity yeah they always (laughs) come through yeah time on i'm so sure um Phlegmatic is 180 degrees different. Uh, their first impulse is to fit in. They're not thinking of leading. They're thinking of cooperating. Uh, they don't like to stir up trouble. In fact, they don't like trouble in mm-hmm. any form yep. uh, at all. And they'll sometimes take an easy way out or uh, not get involved in conflict. Clerics like conflict. Phlegmatics avoid conflict. Mm-hmm. And that's really where kind of the key thing comes in terms of, uh, I think, education and growth is where you're looking for, where, where cooperation is needed and as a homeschooler or any teacher or any leader you love phlegmatics because they're the only ones that will do what you say and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll cooperate that's great as we always say to parents you haven't had a phlegmatic yet well have at least one because you want yeah. at least one kid that does what you say you want yeah. just one of those um so they docility. love peace they love peace peace mm-hmm. docility and, mm-hmm, yeah. and that's a, a peace is a very noble virtue it's the first thing christ said after the resurrection of the apostles in the upper room so there's nothing wrong with that. The challenge for the phlegmatic, though, is uh, is conflict. Teaching your young phlegmatic or your old phlegmatic that conflict is inevitable. It's, it's uh, John 16, 33, there will be trouble. So there is trouble. And and the growth curve for the phlegmatic is how to in, how to handle conflict and, and disagreements and things like that in a skilled way, mm-hmm. which doesn't come natural to them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And in the homeschooling environment, too, you may be just so happy that you have this phlegmatic that you just give them... You know, you're just so happy. They're just filling out their little worksheets and, but they can be too dutiful. Like, it's funny because I was just, we were reminiscing about our phlegmatic son who now only that he's an adult and he has four kids, you know, four kids of his own right now. And, and he, now he tells me, you know, about the things that I did when I was homeschooling. And he was like, you're always make all you ever did was make me do these map skills. And I was like, oh, it was just so easy. <laughs> Like, here, fill out this workbook. And he'd dutifully fill out this workbook, you know? And he never said, he never really raised the objection, which is, this is stupid. And, you know, why are you making me do this? And can I have something better? And so with the phlegmatic, you want to draw out of them. They're just so cooperative. They will just do what they're told. And um, you only find out, you know, 30 years later when they were thinking. <laughs> no yeah anyway yeah so that was the phlegmatic and the sanguine sanguine is your classic people person the life of the party they have quick intense but short-lived reactions so that makes them you know very eager and enthusiastic quick to start new projects but they're not very good with follow-through so they forget about it or they get distracted and there's something else and there's a level of distraction in the sanguine that is normal. And that's the thing, like, especially if you were a melancholic parent and you have a sanguine child, you're like, what is wrong with this child? You know, yeah. they leave the house and they come back in five times because they forgot, you know, they forgot this, they forgot that they, you know, they, they, they forgot what they were going out for or whatever, you know, <laughs> and they're always 
chatty and they're always busy and active and they're like butterflies that flip from flower to flower. So with homeschooling, they're going to need a little more um, attention by the teacher, you know, where you can like set the phlegmatic on, you know, just here you go, fill this out, do your work, read your chapter. Um, the sanguine you may have to keep um, coming back to and, and kind of checking in with them to make sure they did because they're quick on the, um, in the beginning right. to jump in and very enthusiastic, but then they, their enthusiasm wanes and something new catches their eye. And so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the last one is the melancholic. Melancholics are the most introverted. Same oh, to right. be the most extroverted. Extra. Stephen mm -hmm. was talking about that a little bit. Yeah. And um, they are the most internalized. They really check out their own feelings, what's mm -hmm. going on internally. Uh, they're very, very self-conscious in that way. Yeah, uh, sensitive. Very sensitive uh, to what's kind of going on and what's mm -hmm. happening or what's not happening. But um, they have a, tend to have not a necessarily a rapid response. Mm -hmm. But when they make a response, they usually lock in. Mm -hmm. they, their yes is a yes and their no is a no. And it's sometimes hard to get, get, get them off that, even if it's important. Mm -hmm. The other wonderful thing about like melancholics is that ideals come so naturally to them. Mm -hmm. And ideals are so wonderful. I mean, they, that, that, that thing that all of us are going toward, maybe it's to be kind or to be loving or love our neighbors ourselves or whatever ideal we're working on, that, that comes very naturally Mm -hmm. The melancholics, they are driven by ideals. But the one, the one caution with with the melancholics is that they can one of those ideals can be perfectionism, and that's mm -hmm. that's that can cause a lot of mental health and and, and learning problems because if it's it's never right. going to be perfect. So if that's the criteria you're setting right. up failure, they also can be very hard on themselves and others. They have high 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 standards. Yes. And if you, the teacher, it doesn't matter you're my mom or dad, <laughs> don't live up to it. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not happy about that, and I'll let you know. And that can be very hard on themselves too. Uh, sometimes yeah. they uh, can be a little more prone to discouragement, uh, yes. you know, because mm -hmm. it's just not right. It's not perfect. Yeah. So you have to sometimes teach them to be very happy with bronze and silver and not always go yeah. for gold. You know, that's one of the things flexibility. That, they, that we it's try to tough. flexibility and also yeah. ambiguity. Mm -hmm. Most decisions are actually not 100 zero. They're mostly right. 80, 20, 75, 25. That's hard for the melancholic to learn, but they can learn it, but they have to learn it. So mm -hmm. it's yeah. a wonderful temperament. A lot of saints, uh, Catholic saints, are, are melancholic. A lot of artists. Uh, artists, yeah, musicians. Musicians, yeah. I'm just thinking use. about, yeah. A lot yeah. of teachers are melancholic. Right. I think a lot of the people that say, I want to be homeschooling teacher because I can do better, probably. Right, might, you might be, be a melancholic. <laughs> yeah. Cleric too. But I mean, yeah. actually, melancholic cleric, maybe is what you get. Yeah. As Stephen was saying, I think. So mm -hmm. anyhow, I think um, those are, that's kind of an overview of the four temperaments. Right. The, the obvious criticism sometimes is, well, I have all those things already. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you do a good job of clarifying that, I think. Maybe. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. Um, so it's not that there's, when we say, for example, um, that the melancholic loves high ideals, truth, beauty, justice, it doesn't mean the other temperaments don't. Right. Yeah, and the same thing, the the sanguine is the most sociable. It doesn't mean other temperaments are not sociable. It does we're all we're social beings. We're all, you know, it, it created in the image and likeness of God. We are um in we are in communion with other people. We're we are meant to be that way. But it's just that for the sanguine, which is the most extroverted that the drive, the intensity of the drive to sociability is 
much greater than for the melancholic or the phlegmatic or even the choleric. So, and the same thing, the drive to the, the ideal is much greater in the, um, melancholic. in the melancholic. And I would say the drive for, you know, peace, peace is greater in the phlegmatic. So, you know, so in other words, it doesn't mean we don't all need peace. We do. <laughs> we all need peace. We all need, we all need all these things, but it's just that each of the temperament has a greater intensity in their drive to it, hmm. which, Sorry, yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Once again, that underlining of like, it's not the extremes. You're not locked into to where you are. Yeah. There, there it is mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good point. And, and sometimes as uh, you know, when you're, when you're teaching, you can, you can harness these drives and you can use them to your advantage, you know? So yeah, like with our sanguine, when he, so we did, you asked about homeschooling earlier, we did homeschool for um, 10 years. Um, And, but with, because I'm part sanguine (laughs) with, with less effectiveness as the years went on. (laughs) So for me, um, anyway, uh, yes, then, then maybe another temperament might've, might've been able to withstand it longer. Yeah. We ran into something called math and we, yeah, yeah. bring in the troops for math. Right. And, And I had a sanguine son who would say, he would call, he would call down, he'd be down in the basement watching TV. He'd be like, mom, mom, can I watch Price is Right for my math class? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Sounds fun. <laughs> 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 anyway. Um, yes. That's not, that's not our golden moment. No, no, sure. no. That was not. <laughs> um, so we can, yeah. we can all relate in various dimensions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But the sanguine, but it's a good, it is a good example though, to, you can harness their, their, their love for what a, their sociability or their love to be being active and engaged. Um, you know, you can use that in your homeschooling to help you propel you through whatever the, um, you know, the difficult subject matter might be. Yeah. And each of the each of the temperaments has something that you can that you can work with and and bring them bring them forward. Well, I bet our listeners are listening to these descriptions and thinking, "Oh, that's me," or "That's this family member," or, or seeing kind of this is kind of shedding light on, "Oh, this is why this might this situation might have gone this way," or this mm-hmm. particular struggle we're having, this might have something to do with it or whatever. So I can, yeah. I bet there's lots of um, light bulbs going off, hopefully for. Yeah. Oh, I should mention that if people don't know what their temperament is, they, there's a, a quick quiz you could take online. It's called tempermentquiz.com. Okay. Yeah. I can put that in, link in our show notes. Yeah. So I can see how, and this is a suggestion you made to us as we were preparing this episode, I can see more clearly all the time how the temperaments can impact uh, children's learning styles and kind of the the parents' temperaments too, like what we bring to and what the children their temperaments. So, could you say a bit a bit a bit about that impact temperament on learning style and what parents can do to work work with that a mm-hmm. little bit more? Yeah. Let's see. What do you want to start with? Well, let's start start me with the start with the melancholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can yeah. be very bookish. They can like they tend to like learning. I think they can really flower in a homeschool environment where they get that kind of real individualized formation so mm-hmm. i think that's great and so i think you take you can take advantage of that because you can slow things down and 
mm, and work at a point. pace, but they tend to be hardworking usually. Uh, one of the struggles of the melancholic is anything new or different. They they can be they can make an immediate no. So one of the things we like to do, uh, both in a business setting, Stephen talked about, but also in an academic setting or a learning environment, actually an environment, is when you give a new idea to a melancholic, you you invite them to think about it, and then Good maybe point. you talk about it the next day. So I'm thinking yeah. about maybe changing the schedule instead of having this in the morning. I was thinking about having that in the morning. I was thinking about maybe doing it next week, but I'd like to get your take on it. Why don't you think about that? I'll make the final decision, but I don't want to make it without uh, getting your take. I think if you give them some time to think about it, they're more likely to come compliant. If, however, yes. you go, all right, we have new rules here now. Starting tomorrow, we're going to do da 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 They have almost yeah. an, a knee-jerk reaction if they're comfortable to say, no, I right. don't like that. Right. So uh, so yeah. given that their style is not, a, they don't like to make immediate decisions. They don't like to be forced to do something like right now. Right. Just not the way they, they operate and they will resist. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, they, so that's one one, one kind of learning style we, we, we suggest to teachers and also managers managing melancholics is yeah. They like to think about things. Yeah. You they, can't spring they things. They like on to them. be deliberate. Yeah. If you spring it, they'll just say no. But yeah. If they deliberate on it and think about the nuances and maybe have some input, mm -hmm. they tend to be very cooperative. Yeah. So that's one kind of maybe a handy kind of learning style example. Um another another is they the transitions. They're they don't like yeah. the it it they have difficulty transitioning from one thing to the next. So um so for example. Before we started homeschooling, our oldest was is a melancholic, and um, we we had her briefly in first grade, and um, and it was it was chaos because like she would just get started, like the teacher would give an assignment. Here's where that perfectionism thing comes in, but the teacher would give an assignment, and she would get started. She's making the most beautiful little drawing here, you know, and it was a little book, you know, she's making up a story. And then they would say, okay, that's it. Time's up. Now we're moving on to math. And she'd be like, no. And, and, and it would, to the point of like, it, 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 it can have physical consequences. Like, you know, the, the poor child would have a stomach ache because like, I'm trying to make this, I'm trying to do this thing, do this perfect thing. And, um, and so for it, the advantage of homeschooling is, of course, they have all the time then, well, maybe not flexibility, in, a little more flexibility. Yeah, it's not all the time in the whole world, but that is the advantage. And of course, she loved that, you know, um, yes, you can have, you can work on this all day if you want, if you need to make your book, you know, and that's one of the beaut beauties of homeschooling, I think. But if you're going to be rushing in nowadays, though, they even homeschoolers are going from activity to activity because they might have, you know, a co-op or whatever, like our daughter does, but, you know, so they'll have to transition, but just bearing in mind that, that transition, I think is really that it could be difficult and you want to prepare them for that um, ahead of time, not just throw them into it and, you know, good luck kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just to finish on the melancholic, yeah. maybe too much, but no, I think the sociability good. is the biggest, a bigger challenge for the melancholic as well. Yeah. So I think <clears throat> I was always impressed when Lorraine and when our melancholic daughter would go to a park, Lorraine would be scouring what kids might get along with her. And then she'd look at the parent and she'd maybe go talk to the parent yeah. and, and maybe sometimes invite the parent to come over for coffee and bring your daughter, it, it, which was very natural for Lorraine as a choleric sanguine to kind of engineer encounters for our daughter. And that was really helpful. Yeah. And she flowered with those. Would she have initiated them? No, probably not. And then she can miss out. So that's an example, I think, where the strength of the teacher-parent 
kind of works with the challenge or, or weakness, like say of the child, and you and you set up a situation that's very comfortable. Come to our house, play together. Maybe they become yeah. friends. Maybe they don't. So I think that those kind of things, or the, with the phlegmatic, maybe switching the phlegmatic, similar thing. Wow, it's great having a kid that pays it doesn't interrupt. It's great to have a kid that's not uh, being too disruptive and it just knocks his stuff off and, and then he's low maintenance. But the problem is then they how to get them to step up to the challenges of life and the difficulties of life because mm-hmm. they can get very comfortable just kind of get passing through. So how do you challenge them? Or they don't like to raise their hand in a group setting, or they're they're happy just kind of rolling with rolling with this happening. So you can miss that kind of leadership quality. Mm-hmm. It can be buried in there. Yeah. So you have to sometimes put them in situations where uh, you call on them more or right. you have them make presentations aloud and practice oh, yeah. public speaking, for example, or things like that. So that they're, yeah. these are things they can learn, but they're not mm-hmm. things natural to them. Right. And also that any time, I think with all four temperaments, always praising effort more than, rather than say you're really smart or you're really yeah. wonderful or you're, oh, right. Yeah, there's some research says that a lot of people when they get that kind of comments, they put it in park. Yeah. Oh, I'm already wonderful. Well, that's okay. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Else. Whereas really, really, really encouraging effort. Yeah. Uh, and the and the phlegmatics will need that encouragement. Oh yeah. Well, sure. I, I see you got it done. Well, um, they all. But you actually have to get some of them right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back and do this again because I want you just to just spend ten yeah. more minutes on it. You know, yeah, that 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 notion that a kid, a bad, a kid who's bad at math only spends three seconds on a problem, and a kid who's great at math spends nine seconds. Well, so it's just hang in there. Yeah, stick with this, and you'll get it. The, the the phlegmatic will need that. They'll need that encouragement, and then when they do it, not just the product, but the energy towards mm-hmm. it. That's where the reinforcement needs. Wow, you really worked with this thing hard. That's right. awesome. Or I noticed now you dribble with your left hand. You used to not do that. That's great. <laughs> That is great. They go, okay. Yeah. So they need encouragement. They do. Yeah. Absolutely. Because the phlegmatic can get lost in the shuffle. And um, they're they're kind of used to being overlooked in a way because they are not the squeaky wheel getting the grease, which is probably the choleric, <laughs> you know. I mean, the melancholic can also because they can be crying or moody or whatever. But the phlegmatic right. is so cooperative. They sometimes just get lost in the shuffle and they need to be encouraged and praised and uh, also um, really encouraged to go deep, like instead of just like knocking off the assignment exactly the way the teacher said, well, is this like, are, is this, you know, they'll like, if you gave them an assignment, you know, okay, I need a book, do a book report on this book. They'll like, okay, they'll do the book report on that book. But it's like, well, what book would you really like to, what would you like to be reading? What, what, what is interesting to you? And really when they're like, even in high school, they, a phlegmatic, might just say, I don't know. You know, they're, they might not just have thought about it. <laughs> um, they need yeah. to, <laughs> yeah. And adults like, yeah, just yeah. like spend time really plumbing those depths. You know, that's really important for the right. phlegmatic. But you know, when you mentioned depths, I think that's a good transition to the sanguine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The sanguine is like Lorraine said, really dazzled by the front end of things. Yeah. So let's say if we break every task into three phases, starting, yeah the middle phase, and then the end, the, the sanguine will be very excited about something new and exciting. Yeah. And they'll they'll start a project 10 minutes before it's due at the end, because it's the end. So the, the, the challenge 
actually the challenge for all of us this is a good example where, where all of us the middle yeah. is where the action's at this yeah. is where a person changes and grows or doesn't is the is the middle phase you know this is why when you make a uh, a commitment on on New Year's Day, you know, uh, if, if you just say I'm, I'm just going to do this, yeah, but come around February or March, you're off of it usually, you know. So how do you manage the middle phase? The segments have yeah. to really manage. You have to really yeah. manage the middle phase with them, yeah. with all of us, but really with them, yeah. Because our initial excitement will wane, yeah. And then and and then they'll they'll, they'll do it at the last minute. Oh, by the way, I, I haven't started my book report that's doing two hours. That's that. yeah. So helping them learn about the middle phase and stuff. That'll be what would be it would be a uh, a, a quicker goal so you actually shrink the middle phase so like okay yeah. so for, for today i want you to do this yeah and this will be i want you to give me an outline uh or yes. I, I want you to pick the topic and that's all i'm asking for you today. Yeah. but really what you're doing you're incrementally moving them along and they will learn they will yeah. be able to do this eventually but it is hard for them they they will get because they get distracted and if you have a melancholic teacher they think you should just say okay you've got a project due in two weeks okay it's on this go for it yeah and then the but that would work for the melancholy and probably the but, cleric maybe too and for the cleric the phlegmatic yeah. and sanguine they're, they can yeah. get lost they that. might so need... you have to usher them through the middle phase and check and... checkpoints and rewards for the sanguine of of fun things <laughs> you know yeah it's almost like you're helping them build something brick by brick yeah and, and you're monitoring each each of the bricks and we haven't mentioned then, anything and, about Polaris. Too. We'll do it. Let's do yeah. it. We so, can't go without the Polaris. <laughs> the Polaris must be discussed at all times. <laughs> <laughs> well, take care of that, Lori. <laughs> and that's what I'm doing. <laughs> but it's like with them, they can. They think they should be. But it it should be like um, a completely brilliant and awesome the very first time they try it. So mm. I know you mentioned Bonnie uh, being a, pian a p Europeanist, is that yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Well, so when we tried to, <laughs> the choleric daughter, um, take piano lessons, she thinks she could sit down and play, you know, um, Beethoven Sonata right there, you know, yeah. the first time. And it's when you, you're kidding me, I have to learn, you know, this, this step by step by step It's like, forget it. You know, it's like this is so I want to be a genius right now. And it's the same thing with they with their projects. They just they want to they want to knock it off. The first draft is perfect. Here it is. I just did it. It's great. And you you're gonna have to go back and say no, like uh actually it's not great. You know, you need to work on this, this, and this. So, you know, there is that. And then of course there's also the problem of the choleric being, you know, thinking they know everything and they should be you know, calling all the shots, right, in the homeschool. And if anybody out there has a choleric, one of the things you really want to be able to help them with is to um, to really to practice empathy and to practice and to have the virtue of obedience and all these things. So it's going to be, it's a little bit, they can be challenging that way. But one, one of the ways is to help put them in charge of things, give them legitimate things to actually be in charge of, you know, whatever it is, you can make up something, you know, in your homeschool. But um, for example, if you have several kids at home, you can have the choleric child be tutoring the younger, a younger child. Yeah. And that, and that builds empathy, puts them in charge of something and, you know, gives them a legitimate, um, kind of uh what what is it a legitimate form for their um desire to be in charge to take you know because they like to be in charge they like to make the decisions and they like to understand what's going on they like to know why i was 
thinking that, you know, debating and arguing is their love language, you know, it's like, it's how they learn about things, you know? So yeah, like, let's do, let's give them a, you know, put them on the debate club, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, most motivational speakers are choleric and they're t teaching the world to be choleric, right? <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, we have, we have two set goals and you go after yeah. them and you don't get distracted. And da, da, da. Well, that's really actually the way that clerics are so yeah, those those things do work for them and they're the kind of ones saying you can pretty much say to a cleric say this is okay but i mean i think you have more in you you can do better than this yeah i'd like you to drive i'd like you to take another shot at this because mm -hmm. you can do excellence and this is well, this is good but it's not excellent so i want you to go after that yeah uh, people will do that with all four temperaments but right. i think the only time it really really pretty guaranteed to pay the rent is with the cleric yeah. They can take a challenge because they have they have so much self-confidence <laughs> usually that a criticism or two by a teacher or, or by a mentor or by a mm -hmm. parent doesn't doesn't put them in a they're not they're not in a fetal position crying about it. You know? Right. Now you do the same thing with a phlegmatic and they just get to get discouraged. discouraged. Like, come on, you can do better than that. What the heck's going on here? You do that with a phlegmatic and they go, well, I just as soon give up anyhow. Why don't we just save ourselves? Yeah, and, oh, save just, ourselves oh. the trouble. Yeah. So <laughs> the clinic, you can do that. Now you have to be very specific what you're expecting mm -hmm. and you have to be realistic. But it's it's the one temperament where those kind of common sense interventions. Oh, right. Just kind of rule off the world, do they? Yeah, really, really, really are, are good. Uh, you you, you mm -hmm. can challenge them. Now, all the temperaments need to be challenged, but the one you more traditionally can challenge right. is the choleric. That's true. Is the choleric. Yeah, yeah. after you run a mile, but I'm fully confident you're not going to die if you run a mile and a half. In fact, let's, yeah. see, let's see what your time is better than last week. Let's see what you can do. Yeah. They, they do motivate by that. The other temperaments, not so much. Mm -hmm. So sometimes using our just kind of our normal leadership instincts works really well with clarity. That's why they do so well in schools, traditional schools, different environments, yeah, stuff. That's true. The goals are clear. I'm going after it. Yeah. But the weakness, particularly with, with homeschooling, can be so impactful is they can roll over people. Yeah. And also, they like, especially the, the brothers and the siblings, they might be younger siblings. Well, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. yeah. They, they roll over the teacher, they roll over everybody. So, uh, <laughs> we, we always say with the, when, counseling people with choleric kids that are very opinionated and want to argue about politics and religion and all that. Mm -hmm. That's really great, but they just must do it with respect. Mm -hmm. you, right. You can, you can sit, you can talk, we can, we can debate anything in this family, but it must be done with respect. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So they get that empathy, respect thing. Mm -hmm. Wow. They'll be, they'll be right. wonderful leaders. As long as you say it respectfully. Yes. And that's hard for them. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> right. They don't realize they're, they're just. Because they're right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> always <laughs> yeah so hopefully that answered your question about the learning styles a little bit about that we do talk about that in the temperament god gave your kids but yeah yeah, yeah. just uh recently we had uh johanna segrin from the interior kingdom on our show and she does some programs for kids about uh, emotional regulation Ooh. and it was it was interesting she was showing her chart or she has a, a poster of emotions and and so you probably know about this where it's like unpleasant emotions over on the left and then uh to going toward pleasant on the right and then high energy going down to low energy from top to bottom i realized people listening can't see me gesturing with my hands but but so then she put little quadrants so i guess these are standard things but there would be like volcanoes up for the high you know unpleasant high energy and then a golden peaks for the high energy pleasant and then she had a, a meadow down for the pleasant low energy and then a rainy valley for the unpleasant and when i was when i was uh saw that i thought oh this is this is where you're naturally inclined as 
it seemed like to, to me with the temperament. So yeah. like the, yeah. that volcano area is, yeah. it can be that choleric. And then yeah. you're right. You're right. Absolutely. And as you were t explaining these two, it made more, made sense. It's like the, the choleric and the melancholic are driven in a way because they're, they're kind of, they're inclined towards unpleasant um, emotions, maybe perhaps. And so they want to get, they want to do something about that. It drives them, whereas sanguines and and uh, phlegmatics are maybe more inclined to either calm, pleasant emotions or happy, you know, pleasant emotions. Less drive to move from there when, when you, uh, I don't, so I don't know if it matches up, but I was just struck yeah. when I saw this chart. It's like, well, those are our, those are our temperaments, right? Yes, right. I think it does match up because emotions are also physically based, aren't they? So it kind of makes sense. I think that's it's, fascinating. I'm yeah. going to see that chart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not that familiar with the chart, but the way you described it, though, yeah. of, of melancholics and cholerics being more comfortable mm -hmm. with discontent or, yeah, negative. or negative. Mm -hmm. I think that's really good. That's, that's a very good true. insight. Yes. Um, and, uh, and, and, mm -hmm. and concomitantly, mm -hmm. phlegmatics and sanguines wanting to kind of stay away from that uh, negative yeah. stuff. That's so true. Um, you know, yeah. that, I think that's important, too. That's, I think that's a really good insight. So how do you make the phlegmatic and, and, let me get, and let me sanguine more comfortable with conflict? That's Because that's a key skill they must learn. And then also, on the other hand, how do you make the uh, melancholic and choleric more comfortable easing into conflict and not just taking over with a strong opinion because that alienates other people? So those are skills that are very important to learn and, and really... I think you really hit a key thing, Stephen. I'll send you that link so you can check it out. Oh, yeah. And I, that's been, I really am fascinated by Stephen's inside there too. I think yeah. that's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, How do you like to introduce the concept of temperaments to kids and teens? Like to have, it's an ongoing discussion, like the whole mm -hmm. knowing thyself is an ongoing mm -hmm. thing. So how do you kind of introduce it to kids in that way that doesn't like, well, here's, you're just phlegmatic. That's yeah. just the, you know, like put you in that box. How do you like to introduce that and then keep the conversation going? I, I think it's I think it's best to introduce the temperaments to kids when they're teenagers. Yes. Okay. Not only because they're radically interested in relationships. Mm -hmm. Radically. So you can say, well, you know, yeah, you're a little I know you you don't you're a little shy about going to the prom. I think you should go to the dance or whatever. And you know, some kids are it's really easy, some kids it's really hard, but you know, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll figure it out for you. Or um um, yeah, yeah, she's really loud and she's really kind of rambunctious and stuff. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to be that way. It's not the only way to be. You can kind of, I think the kids really, that's where I think the temp, that's like we get a lot of feedback from college students because they're, mm -hmm. they're dating, they're looking for that special person and stuff. And the temperaments are very handy for that. I'm not sure what the value of the temperaments, maybe you could comment on that, uh, is for, Middle I think school. it's good for the parents teachers though yes mm -hmm. yeah. sure mm -hmm. but i think that's where they they all of a sudden go from, they don't they go from indifferent to radically interested they actually don't understand it in, in middle school which is what i discovered i taught yeah, a class yeah, yeah. I, I taught i was invited like several times in until i said look i don't think middle school kids understand this and what they don't understand is they don't grasp the concept of this is part of me versus this is the world that I'm in because I think they haven't yet um they're 
unless they're maybe really brilliant or something, but um, developmentally, I don't think they quite see how their personality differs from what is what is forced on them, you know, because everything is controlled in their life. So for example, the, um, when I was teaching the, the little middle schoolers, I was explaining the concept of frugality because there's some temperaments that are frugal and some that are not, you know? So, uh, you know, the melancholic is going to be frugal anyway. So I said, okay, so let's say your mom or dad gave, gave you a dollar, you know, would you, what would you want to do with it? Would you want to save it? And maybe the next day they'll give you another dollar and you could keep adding up. And pretty soon you could buy yourself an American girl doll or whatever, you know, you can save up your money and you can buy something. Or as soon as your mom or dad gives you a dollar, you go run right out and buy some candy because you want some right now, you know, and that's two different kinds of reactions. So, you know, we're talking about this in the class and the little girl, this one little girl raises her hand and she goes, yeah, but what if your mom or your mom gave you a dollar and then your brother stole it? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's not what we're talking about. You know, <laughs> so the point, <laughs> she sees her life is like ruled by it's like she can't see that there's something that's in her deciding what she's going to do with that versus what is inflicted on her <laughs> from her siblings or whatever. You know, so I don't think they're quite at the age where they were just befuddled. They were befuddled by the whole thing. Um, and, you know, so. However, then I did do the same thing. I would give, I was also teaching in uh, a class in the, in the high school, same school, except different classes. <laughs> and then um, the high schoolers loved it. Oh my gosh, they love it. Yeah, they're all over it. That's so um, yeah, you don't want to, um, I don't think you want to put them in a box and probably the younger they are, the more likely they are going to put themselves in a box. Yeah. Because you're going to be explaining it and they're going to think, oh, this is it, you know, <laughs> you have to just be very careful. But another way to just have fun with it is there's the game, there's know thyself, <laughs> the game of temperaments, which is just supposed to be a fun game to play with your family. We've talked to quite a few people who've had a lot of fun with it. You want to be, go into it with a, with an attitude of fun though. So, cause like, I had heard from some Sa people. Yes, of course. Job, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that makes sense. There was one guy we, I did an interview. One guy said, you know, I made my kids do this game and we, <laughs> and they were all terrified. And I'm like, well, look, gosh, you sound like a real. <laughs> have fun whether you like it or not. <laughs> no, this isn't how you're supposed to play it. It's called a game. Yeah, it's called a game. You're supposed to have fun. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just imagining my my daughter bringing over a a, a boy she's interested in for the, for the first time. It's like we're sitting yeah. down playing this. Yeah, playing okay, we're playing this. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy's terrified. Yeah, no. well, <laughs> well, of course, as the father of the daughter, you're supposed to terrify all those. Yeah, boys, that's right. right. That, yeah. Yeah. So you want to know what temperaments you can terrify him just yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A very handy tool. Yeah. Well, would you say a bit about the intersection of temperament with mental illness, special needs, and physical or mental disabilities? As there are notes in each of the books 
that you've written that I have that speak to this and I find it so valuable and I would love for you to to say a bit about that in this conversation. Yeah, I mean, again, you got you got to be careful. All temperaments can be depressed. All can, temperaments can have ADD, ADHD, and all temperaments can mourn OCD. An, uh, OCD. But mm-hmm. probably it's not totally unfair to say there might be some proclivities that different temperaments might propel them to um, as well. So I think uh, because uh, let's say the, the introverted temperaments, the, the phlegmatics and the melancholics, they, they tend to turn internal. And so they might be a little more prone to ruminating and, and, and going over and over and over things because of not, not, not a real confidence of how to manage the real world. So they might be more prone to some disorders like that. Or if they have physical disabilities or whatever, that might be compounded for them because of the, the kind of sense of being so inter- keeping everything internal and things like that. So I think with without that those two particular temperaments the, what i call the introverted ones and we, and we do take the introverted extroverted from the myers-briggs we found that was a handy way to look at it i think in, the, in those cases you want to be aware of that uh the, ruminating is not the same as planning you know you want to carry out that just you know just going thing in your head so let me help you figure out what the next step is or what the plan is let me help you with that or uh pointing out their strengths when they get into that kind of dour mood or, or I just failed at something. So now I'm a failure. And you say, well, you, I mean, yeah, I mean, that could have gone better. Yeah, you missed the free throw at the end of the game. But, the, you know, the only reason you're out there to miss it is because you're such a good player. And, you know, everybody, you know, Michael Jordan missed more last minute shots and Babe Ruth struck out more than anybody. So, you know, you need to help them with this stuff because it, it's not natural to them to think that way. Right. Then go to the other side, let's say with the uh, with the more ext- extroverted temperaments, let's say sanguine and and choleric, uh, when they have, they're, they're almost a part of them is not used to having problems. They're pretty mm-hmm. gifted and, and 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 find a natural affinity to meeting people and liking people and taking charge. So when they get knocked off their horse, I guess it's the same fault today. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it was on a horse. But anyhow, we get they get yeah. they sometimes they're kind of helpless. Like they're used to have things just working out. Like the sanguine yeah. is used to, I can connect with anybody, but somebody just broke up with me, or or I don't, I'm not related to my teacher, so it's it's a, like a hopeless situation or something or. Or the, or the choleric gets a bit bossy or get a bit deliberate. People aren't doing things the way I want them to do, and you know, they get they get put in overdrive and start pushing people away and alienating people and things like that. So I think I think with with those two temperaments, you want to almost invite them into a more of an internal perspective on things. Mm-hmm. That you know, just because things are different doesn't mean it's bad, or, or you know, uh, some things you know you, you you try it once or twice, it doesn't work out. It just means you got to fine tune what's working, what's not. Because uh, they're used to quick successes, and they can get easily discouraged and bossy. Or in the case of, of the sanguine, just avoiding things, yeah. avoiding trouble mm-hmm. at all costs. And uh, you know, they can be real radical people pleasers. Mm-hmm. They they sense what people want to hear and say, and they just say it. But they don't always do the work. They don't always. Mm-hmm. They usually, when they get to college, they run into a, a brick wall about that. They don't charm. You don't charm your teachers in college. You can maybe yeah. charm charm your parents at homeschool and stuff. But so I think that that's really that that that. that the internal kind of, and of course, the faith is great for both of these. The internal development that the extroverts need, the sanguine and, and the mm-hmm. choleric, is critical. And homeschooling is a great environment to have the internal growth. So we're gonna we're gonna say a prayer here. We're gonna reflect on it for five minutes. And what's the deal? What, what does that mean? You have that option. And then with the uh, introverted temperaments, is to kind of push them a little bit on the exercise. So so we're gonna we're gonna meet with a bunch of other kids on Friday uh, as a regular thing. We're gonna have you know different homeschool homeschool groups collapse, and you're kind of pushing the melancholics to make friends and, mm-hmm. and the phlegmatics to 
introduce themselves or you or you do it for them because it's so i think that's where you you want to balance yeah. that weakness but then i think as they have their challenges and problems in their adult life if they can go inside when they need to and outside when they need to yeah. they're going to probably be better equipped even if they have maybe a physical disability or they have intellectual disabilities or those are a little more challenging maybe yeah so that they're more i, I think the whole person you're trying to get the whole person that's the right. catholic view Mm-hmm. And so with a wonder, wonderful time you have in, in homeschooling, you want to always be be grateful for the parts that are working. Right. And try to be strategic about how do we expand the parts that they're not so comfortable with. You know, like, like Lorraine said, the empathy for the choleric. So, you know, yeah. you know or uh, but, so does, that, the, does that help with, with what no, you're trying to get up, Bonnie? But I, help? Yeah. Yes. But I know. Think, oh, go ahead. They were, I was going to say, they're not necessarily... It, as you said that you don't it doesn't necessitate that like if you're melancholic you're going to be depressed or something that's any of the temperaments can have that but they did do studies on that where the if you were of a certain temperament like let's say you were introverted and 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 a tendency to ruminate and um this kind of thing and you did happen to get depressed then the they found better outcomes with therapists. So if you were depressed and you went to therapy, you would have to give yourself more time. That was the thing they discovered that, yeah. So, so that is gonna, which, which totally makes sense given the temperament, you know? So if you did have this, if you were actually, you know, clinically depressed, then you would have to give yourself more time to work through it and maybe not snap out of it as quickly as a another temperament would right sense, yeah. yeah yeah so um because you were asking about the overlap between mental illness and temperament that's i just wanted to throw that in i appreciate it also the note about it as kind of a common theme that keeps coming up how the temperaments aren't like a hard and fast box whatever uh, they're not they also don't explain away everything so the presence of mental illness or some other situation, some other reality along those lines that they, those are a factor separate from, I mean, the temperaments are impactful on them, but we can't explain those away with temperament. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, that's really well yes. said, Bonnie. That's really true. Right. Right. Yes, exactly. And there's a, and there's also the kind of the flip side of the one, like you, you think um, it, it actually, the, um, these researchers, the one Chess and Thomas, they were doing, they actually started one of the things that propelled them was that there were kids getting uh, mislabeled mislabeled as, um, you know, ADHD when it was actually a normal, within normal of a temperament. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very, you, you do have to be really careful not to go either direction, I think, you know, not to assume that they're going to be you know, yeah. And, and, and get a professional, get professional advice. You know, if, if a parent is, is concerned, you know, I, I don't know whether my child is just like, this is just her temperament or is she, is there something going on? Then, then get a professional assessment, you know, cause there's good Catholic therapists all over the country now. Mm-hmm. everywhere True. catholictherapist.com. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so nobody needs to go without a professional opinion. And I think you should, because, you know, 
there was a time when good Catholics were fearful of psychology and, you know, they would say, oh, you know, if you're feeling depressed, go read St. John of the Cross. You know, it's like, no, that's two different things. You know, it's like St. John of the Cross was not going through depression. He had a dark night of the soul. It's not depression, mm -hmm. you know, so two different things. <laughs> that's a good deal. Okay. That's a wonderful uh, development to have the increase in, in faithful Catholic therapists available to us. And I know there's a lot of wariness about seeking out that kind of mm -hmm. help and for good reason. <laughs> so, yeah, but I'm, yes. I thought it was important to make that distinction to kind of put that note in there as well. So I'm glad you guys have that in your book. So I have some catching up to do on, on your books. I'm looking forward to that. You have the game that you mentioned, your website, which we will link in our show notes, which will have links to all of your offerings. Do you have anything else you'd like to mention? Any other resources or recommendations of yours or others that haven't come up yet that you'd like to throw out to our listeners? I really like David Isaac's uh, character development. Mm. I think that's a, a fantastic, fantastic book. Is that the name of it? Character development? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the name of it. Yeah, it's a really um, good book. David Isaac's and... It is so thorough and so, and it goes through all the stages of development and which virtue you can learn at which stage. In other words, you can't teach a certain, some virtues, you can't teach them when they're too young. And sometimes, you know, parents think oh, they should be able to do all these virtues all right off the bat. And he's like, no, there's stages you have to go through in order to, um, developmental stages in order to be able to acquire these virtues and he's got a breakdown it's fantastic nice nice that sounds familiar yeah. it's a blue cover yeah, at least Bruce like Bond, maybe scepter press i think maybe okay. i think it is yeah, yeah. it's really good that, one book uh, I, I find very helpful uh because i uh, maybe more for homeschoolers because it really sees parenting mm. from a teaching point of view yeah it's called no drama discipline oh, yeah. and it's a really good it's, it's got all the neuroscience in it which is i think very catholic yeah. friendly the neuroscience is very catholic friendly and they have that in there, and they're really good at, at not reacting, but responding prudently. So it kind of put that little pause I was talking about earlier when, when you're seeing your kid having trouble or you're having trouble of trying to figure out what to do. It's also good to, so some of us, some temperaments are more likely to fly off the handle or get really upset. So the book is a good antidote to that. So it's kind of taking the teaching aspect of parenting, which is integrated in, of course, homeschooling. Though the church says it's always integrated. You can get some help at a school, but you're 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 in charge. You're responsible. Yeah, and I think that book, though, it's a secular book, but the research I think is solid. And uh, so I, I I recommend that to a lot of clients. And they, it seems my almost all my clients are Catholics. They really like it a lot. So no no drama parenting. And if you're let's say, or is it no drama discipline? Excuse me, no drama discipline. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Okay. See, uh, thanks for getting that. Yeah. I will so. uh, find those and include those. Yeah. Great. That's great. Is anything else, Stephen? No, I just I have more reading now. This is this right, is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is great, guys. It's been great talking to you. It's Thank you so a, much. What yeah, a gift! What a gift to get to talk to you today. We really appreciate the time you spent with us. Thank you so much for all you've given to us in this conversation and all all throughout your work that you've put out into the world for for so many people to benefit from. Really mm. tremendously grateful. Thank you both so much, Art and Lorraine. Oh, thank you so much for having us. This is so great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. 
Subscribe to the Colby Cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.